This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast i am mike Casaza. welcoming in chris anderson lauren anderson not available tried to upgrade couldn't make it happen uh, chris long time no speak we've uh earlier last week rainy Maisie resignation hearing a little bit of chatter behind the scenes about how that actually did unfold that's pretty interesting maybe we can get to that but that is actually beneath the pile of topics that have built up on our desk since we really had a chance to crack our knuckles and talk about What is going on? What's not going on? What will be going on with West Virginia and a whole bunch of different sports here? You know, kind of a dead time of year, except the things are starting to percolate a little bit. Even when you take something off the stove, it still bubbles a little bit, which leads to maybe some basketball conversation. And we're about to put the kettle on the burner here for football before too long. It get pretty serious about the 2023 season with the start of camp. A lot happening, not a lot happening. Where do we begin? A lot of places I want to begin because you're right. I think normally most seasons, most years, we'd get to this point and there were so many comments and things and, and things said at Big 12 Media Days, things happening with basketball that, oh, I want to talk about that. And most years it'd be the hot topic and it would last days, maybe even a couple of weeks. But obviously some other stuff has been going on with uh, WVU Athletics, the Huggins Saga, Randy Maisie retirement-ish uh, plan. Um but yeah, I'm ready to get back into a couple of things that that I have been penciling down to discuss with you about because I want to get your thoughts. I want to not argue with you about it, but let's have a little discussion about it. And I actually want to start. I'm going to surprise you because uh, you and I talked right before this about a couple of these topics. I'm going to surprise you with one that I forgot to bring up during that pre-pod prep. Are you ready? I- I thought you were holding on to something because I was like, hey, what about this? Tell me more. And you're like, no, no, it's okay. How about this one? Isn't that? And you just kind of like didn't let everything out of the holster there. So I guess I'm not ready for this, but I'm kind of ready for it. Okay. So this is more of a, you felt it. I think, I think I remember you making a comment about it on the VIP board, but there was some, would we go so far as to say optimism from Neil Brown about his team this season and what they're able to accomplish or, or at least some, uh, you, you know, define people maybe view the program and what they're going to do this year. Is, is that safe to say? I think so. It, I don't know if it's obstinance or stubbornness or whatever like that, but it does seem like they they understand that they're very lowly rated and regarded right now. They don't understand why that's the case. And the fact that 
you know, players typically know and coaches typically know, I think that's powerful for them. I, I'm not sure how much anybody cares, though. And that's what I want to get to, because you're right. Fan fan pessimism is still at an all-time low or high. It's as pessimistic as we've seen it. And a lot of the comments have been, he says this kind of stuff every week, every year, whatever he said, you know, all that kind of stuff. Do you sense something different this time around? How is this different? How are what's being said and the vibe you're getting from, you know, you were there at Big 12 Media Days talking to the players, talking to Neil Brown. How does it feel different this season or is it? You know, it's hard to put value in in words sometimes, and we probably learned that lesson repeatedly or, or maybe just the hard way, depending on how you come at this. Like me, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to write the words now and people can judge what they want. But I've also noticed that really heavy push on things that, again, sometimes I just don't know who they're trying to convince. Is it the outside or is it the inside? And And there's different examples for that. But like, if you say, hey, we got exactly what we needed in the transfer portal, cool. I really need to see that, though, because that's that's not been a strength for them. And when you say that in one breath and you also say, and I will credit Neil Brown for this, honestly, and, and without any argument from me, that they have not been great in the, in the portal. He said that like they had some misses and they had some misevaluations. So for him to say that, but also say we got one needed this year. Well, that's inconclusive. However. I don't sense a lot of like the rah-rah, the marketing, the the mottos, the storylines, the narratives that they're inserting into a lot of this stuff. It's pretty much out there. And I think a lot of it is it's, you can't fool anybody right now because you can't fool your record. You can't fool the situation that you're in. And they have to win. And he knows that. And he said that. And it's not just me saying that. He said that. So it's pretty much just plain and on the table. And 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 you can do with it what you want. It's, it's like serving hamburgers. Here's the meat. Here's some tomatoes and, and onions and lettuce make it however you want but here's what we're going to serve you and if you look at it that way you could you could find a way to say all right they actually do have some parts here um, so i think that it's like simpler and that they're not trying to convince the outside as much which then makes me go back to my original point they're not trying to convince themselves maybe they're pretty comfortable with what they have and what they're going to be only time will tell us for sure but as i step back I don't sense that push to make everybody believe and understand. Maybe because they need to believe and understand. I just think that they have what they have and they're going to show people in the way that actually matters. That to me is the difference. I like it. I'm with you on the the fact that one of the big differences is I don't want to say it was pomp and circumstance, you know, just stuff that kind of paraded around about the program videos going out all the time of this and that and and all this other stuff and it's like hey, that's that's a heck of a lot of uh you know whatever for five and seven now it's hey maybe it's them realizing none of that matters what matters is actually getting the wins and and, and doing that what it takes behind the scenes and and they've already convinced themselves like you said that they think they're good. They're not trying to convince themselves that they think they're good. And they don't see, I don't say they don't see the value in trying to convince everyone else they're good. They just actually want to come out and try to show it this year. It, 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 it's kind of the feeling I'm getting there. Now, are they going to be better? I don't know that. I'm not saying that. I'm just feeling, trying to figure out how this kind of 
off-season coach speak is different than years past because because that is something that fans have uh, voiced their opinions about, if you will. Yeah, and without their in-house PR firm, they're 14th out of 14 teams in the Big 12, too, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. Something else, too, they're not doing stuff that they've not been good at. And you can only push that boulder up the hill so many times before you're just like, screw it. This is not fun. I don't want to do this. Um, if they're going to be different on offense, this isn't a team that was going to drop back and throw vertical passes and be great in the downfield passing game like maybe they wanted to. Um, this isn't going to be a team that's going to be really, really exotic before the snap on defense and try to you know, outthink you and then out-talent you. Like They're going back to something simpler and, and maybe maybe even help themselves by bending some of their positions and their definitions of how they put people there in the past. So it's a little bit different this year. And that may have something to do with their confidence. Like if they can do something to disarm their weaknesses and all of a sudden, you know, maybe they're not strengths, but maybe they're not as profound of a weakness anymore. And if you do that to a couple areas, that can add up. It's a great trans- transition, Mike. Uh, Cause I'd like to ask you about his comments about the, uh, defensive versatility i guess is what we'll call it that's that's the topic that i wrote down on my uh, sheet here he made some comments about moving linebackers around moving guys in the secondary around moving guys on the defensive line around i mean he's literally talking about all three spots and i like it i got some questions maybe some individual questions about it like you know curiosities about who's going to play where and how that's going to work but the big thing that kind of stuck out to me was something that I had been capital H hearing all summer long was that defense was going to be different. It's going to be more simplistic. Uh, there was going to be guys that that was their role and this was their role and that's it. And that way, all of that confusion is from last year is gone. And that's something else. I think Neil Brown talked about at big 12 media days as well. Do these two points, Hey, we're going to be versatile and move guys all around and, hey, we're going to be simple so the guys don't get confused. It feels like the, the, those two comments are kind of button heads here, fighting against each other. Am, am I reading too much into it? It's a good contradiction of the point that we established. I just, I'm not sure that that's what they're doing because, like, for example, I've kind of heard that, like, the 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 bandit isn't going to really be the bandit anymore. And then, like, I just asked him, like, hey, are you sparing bandit different? No, 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 not at all. But like Tyron Bradley is not the same as Jared Bartlett. They just want to get a bigger guy there. Now, no one else can really play the bandit, though. You can't move a mic over there, which you remember this, Chris. The mic and the bandit used to be pretty much the same position. Well, guess what? Now the mic and the will are the same position. All right. But then, like, isn't the will and spear kind of the same? Didn't we see like X reload flash out from will to spear before, almost acting like a cornerback sometimes? Well, is that going to be the same now? So I don't know how much of that is just like evolutionary with football where it sounds complex. Maybe this made it simpler. Like here, you're a bandit. Just learn bandit. And here, you're a middle linebacker and you're a will linebacker. But guess what? Like one's weak side, one's strong side. How much different is it? You know, like one's got to take on a bigger body and one doesn't. Is that that exotic, especially if you've been playing this long at this level? And then Spear is just a different thing. And like they, that might just depend on who they play. Like they may swap that guy out. Or maybe it's the bandit for a nickel back. Um, they might have somebody there who's a better coverage guy one day, depending on the opponent. And again, that sounds exotic and complex, but like, you're not asking one person to do that necessarily in that spot. You may have a couple people and it may switch on, on a downer distance or just the way the game is going to the opponent. So, um, are they moving guys around? I don't know. Are they moving people in and out of the same position? That might be a better way to put it. Um, 
it, it is kind of striking though, and, and especially when you listen to him talk about the defense and how they got picked on last year by you know a team in motion and pull a defender down, and they knew that, that defender could not guard. It, it sure sounds like he's talking about Marcus Floyd and instead of Aubrey Burks. So that, that safety got picked on. Well, now they don't want to do that anymore. They'd want to have like two Aubrey Burks back there or two good coverage guys, and one just happens to play cat and one just happens to play free, but if something gets flipped around by a formation or a shift or motion, well, then all of a sudden your cat can be the free and, you know, you're not, you're not buttoned down by what the offense does to you. And if you can find ways to be versatile, it's, it's kind of a weird ubiquitous word versatile, but like if you can find ways to just adapt and, and similar to the basketball team that we talked about, not get pushed into a corner and, and stuck there. If you can find a way to get out of bad matchups or avoid them, that's a pretty good thing. And But your point is well-founded. It, it sounds like a lot of work, especially when they're talking about becoming simpler, which makes me also think that they really are trying to make it simple. So how do they do all this by making it simple? And and again, it may just be as simple. I guess as simple as my vocabulary here. But it may just be as simple as instead of having players learn multiple things, just have multiple players who can do different roles. So I don't have to know two things, Chris. Like you can podcast and I can type. Instead of me having a podcast and type, I hope that makes sense. But like it, you have a lot of new people in and you don't know yet. So maybe the starting point is just like, here's a guy that does this at this position. And when he can't do this, we bring another guy in who can actually do this at this position. And you're lightening the burden on players and letting them just focus on the stuff that they have really harped on being simple as, you know, alignment and responsibilities and things like that. Is that how it goes? I like to hear more explanation about that, which means I'd, I'd like to ask some questions about that when the time comes. Well, now I am Googling simple in the thesaurus because I was going to use the word simple as well. Rudimentary. <laughs> Rudimentary, uncomplicated, elementary, straightforward. This is what I'm looking for. Give me a, a quick, straightforward answer on this since we're talking about mm -hmm. a little bit of movement and positions. Wide receiver. Um, <clears throat> guys weird, moving. From that was weird. X, huh? X to Z, Z to X, X to N, out. Does any of this, I don't want to say matter. I mean, it, it's obviously matters or they would be, uh, you know, sampling with it and trying it out. What's the point? What's the end game? What are they trying to figure out other than, or is it just as simple as, hey, we got to find the best four and that's it. I think it's this Plinko, man. This is Price is Right stuff where you just put the things on the, on the top of the board and let it go where they land. You're going to put players out there and figure out who's your best combination of guys. Because I don't, if they don't, if they think Horton is one of their best people, for example, because he gives them punch and speed, what good is he on the bench? I mean, oh, we have a starting slot receiver. So what? This guy can stretch the field. He can take a four-yard pass and turn it into a 40-yard gain. I'm not singling him out, but I just wonder about that. And and are you just putting people in spots right now because of a certain height or where they played before? I don't know. That doesn't seem like a good idea. And some of these guys they really haven't seen yet. So like Horton's one, Massey's one. Uh, they obviously saw Poke and Carter. Um, weird to me that Carter is the Z and, and Bram is the X now because that had been the opposite before. But something they saw in the spring decided that was going to be where they want to go. Now, does that have to do with left-handed quarterback, right-handed quarterback? Hmm. We, we don't have enough time on the pod for that, Mike. So, but... but Again, could they switch again? Sure, but I, I really think that you're going to let these guys bounce around and figure out where they go. And and they've got huh, they've got enough receivers they can do that. They don't have so many receivers that they can assign people like rigid roles. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before I get to my next question, a little nugget on this, talking to people. Um, Horton was a name that came up a lot for the exact reasons you said, that, that he was the guy more than anybody on the roster that they felt could be the one to take the take the lid off the defense, which you need. If you if you don't take the lid off the defense, that makes things easier on the opposing defense. The other one was I tell a little story. I was standing at the recruiting camp, and I get a little nudge from Capital S. Someone points over to the what do they call it. It's not the jugs machine, or is it the jugs machine? The the pass catching machine, the new one. Oh yeah, that I don't know. That's cool. And there is a massive, massive man catching everything coming his way on that thing. That was Noah Massey. And, you know, I heard from a couple different people, like, hey, if this guy gets it, this is big. Because he is a guy that, given his size and his wingspan and his hand size and the way he catches the ball, if he can just get open, which I think is the big question mark, how how he runs routes, does he have the, the foot quickness to kind of set, get separation in there? He's going to be a threat. And and then all of a sudden, these are the pieces you're talking about. Again, we're not talking like, oh, you know, this is the second coming of the Stedman, Bailey, Tavon Austin, Ivan McCartney type of receivers, but you're getting the right puzzle pieces. You're getting the guy that can, if things go right, take the lid off. You're getting the guy who can, if things go right, get all those catches underneath and create mismatches. And, and you've got Devin Carter who can become – basically Bryce Ford Wheaton on that side. So there there are the right pieces there, I think, at receiver. And and that's why I'm interested. I was so interested in all of this movement or talk of movement of these guys around, trying to find ways to get them on the field. Yeah, Mass is interesting because they do two back sets and they get the three receivers, right? Well, do the math. Five linemen, two backs, quarterback, eight. You're going to have three receivers. So do you have a tight end? Maybe, but if Massey's so big that he could actually do some blocking in that slot role, that's interesting. So that third receiver is going to be like one to watch this season. Is it an H? Is it a slot? Is it a tight end? Because they can do a lot of things with, I would presume they think they can do a lot of things with Cole Taylor in that two-back set third receiver where he's he's like a tight end who's slotted out. Maybe he's attached, but he could also run routes too. Um, so if Massey's a big guy who can do that, that's one that didn't make sense to me. How is that guy a slot? He's not built like a slot. Well, Maybe not. Maybe there's a purpose for him in the running game or when they go to certain sets. Like there's there's something there. But again, put them somewhere and figure out what they can and can't do and then find a way around it. And I mean, would you be surprised if someone like Aaron played inside and outside? Would you be surprised if someone like Horton, um, you know, they have him outside right now. What if he's really good inside and he can run those like slot fades 
those those post corners on the slot and just run away from guys. Well, that's a good idea. Use that. Uh, that's something to, to probably monitor the entire time during the preseason, I would think. Next question, and maybe the comment I found most interesting from Neil Brown during Big 12 Media Days, the quote-unquote gray area regarding NIL, Country Roads Trust, and WVU football. Um, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. Again, you were there. You were asking the questions. Can you kind of lay out for our listeners you, you know, what was being discussed and, and why – why I'm finding it so interesting. So he had reporters in like in a line over a couple of days in June. And obviously you're going to talk NIL with him. So I asked him some questions about NIL stuff and he gave some pretty open things about, you know, like kind of like the espionage that happens and how people are using, you know, people who are not on coaching staffs to communicate with his players. He never said his players, but obviously how would he know? Right. So Social media things where the messages disappear, people who really can't be traced, their accounts can't be FOIA'd if it's an email, stuff like that. And then we just kind of went around like how things have gotten better and this and that. And he talked about how like the country roads trust has grown. And then they kind of picked it up and they got them moving and they they collected things. They, they got their act together and they went. Because if you remember, it, it went live in January 22. And then what happened? They lost a lot of players that spring because the trust wasn't like fully operational at that point. Well, now it's better. Uh, we told the story about how they kept two Pretty significant players, one on offense, offensive line, one on defense, the front, uh, kept him from going to the portal and retained him. That's a big deal. So I just asked him, hey, you know, what do you think? And he, he kind of gave me an answer. But in the answer, he gave me something in June that it, it just stuck with me. And it, and it wasn't gray area, but like that they're a little bit more willing or ambitious. I forget the word right now, but given a chance to talk to him again in Dallas, I said, hey, how did you get your collective up and running? to where it's been more effective this year. And he said that, you know, the administration is more comfortable right now and that they uh, they have the conversations and they're willing to do some things they weren't willing to do before. Tap the brakes there, right? Like there was nobody going to get in a second question or, or a question before I got my second question in there. I think he barely finished his response where I said, hey, um, were you not having these conversations before? Were you not allowed to do the things that you're happy to be talking about doing now? And he said, yeah, there was some gray area pause and then just kind of looked at him that wasn't going to be enough and he continued on and, and he kind of said that you know they they do more things now especially when it comes to communicating with the collective and doing fundraising that that's a sign that the university's athletic department and the athletic department's unaffiliated collective are working together that was something that west virginia was not going to do before is that a change in leadership from shane Lyons to ren baker maybe likely is that also just like sticking your finger in the air and feeling which way the wind is blowing? Probably. It might just be that the, you know, maybe Ren Baker's got more ammunition to to send that offense, excuse me, send that program that more offensive direction. But like Shane Lyons wasn't. I don't know. I just think the, the times have changed so much that they're out of that gray area and they're doing things. Now, the question now, Chris, is how do you take a couple of big steps further away from the gray area? I don't know. I liked uh, Neil Brown's, you know, comparison there for the officiating for basketball. Like when he was a freshman in high school and, and his coach basically told him you need to get the feel for the game and how essentially they're going to officiate it differently now that you're in high school than you were in middle school. And again, that's kind of the feel for, like you said, put your finger in the air, feel how it goes. Not really so much changes in rules as in just 
how they're going to go about it. And and anybody that's played basketball and gone up through the ranks, you know, or any sport, they're going to officiate differently as you get older. And, and so that's kind of the change here. Instead of getting older, it's the change in the NIL and the money situation regarding recruiting. So, yeah, I kind of, that was a good way of putting it for him. And yeah, I, I like that you didn't let him get away with just, yeah, gray area. That's all. Yeah. It was like one of those like Conan O'Brien and like Andy staring contests, right? It's kind of like maintain the eye contact for a second. It wasn't going to go away. I was going to ask a follow up. He probably knew that and went there. We, we kind of felt each other out a little bit through the years. Um, but like also later in that conversation, I gave him a chance. I said, Hey, just to be clear, it sounds to me like you're perhaps talking about Shane Lyons. And he's like, no, 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 it's not a Shane thing. That's when he gave the basketball analogy where the university as a whole was trying to figure out, you know, what's handjacking, what's what's going to be allowed, what's not. And then, you know, they know what the handjacking is and isn't out too. Um, interesting thing, though, Chris, is that since that story, I've gotten a couple of people who've, who've reached out to me here. I'm not sure they're capital P or lowercase P, but certainly people I talk to. And they really think the NCAA is going to sooner than later get involved here just because like, one, they don't want Congress to to get all the credit for for all this stuff, and I'm not sure Congress can or will get around to it. But like, they're really going to clash with some of these state laws, and I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, I don't have great analysis for that because I think a lot of the state laws saying it's illegal for the NCAA to investigate and punish. I don't know how the NCAA can say tough, but I also don't know how the NCAA can't say tough. Like they are the governing body, not a state. Um, does that go to court? You know, does it become something sloppy and, and, and like prolonged? Maybe, but just a couple of people have told me that, that, hey, this sounds great and that they're out of the gray area, but like you might be back in the gray area or just like the very clear and boring black and white before too long, too. Maybe not before too long, but in the future. Speaking of legal gray areas, I'm going to switch over to basketball now. It has been over a week since we've heard anything or, well, not heard anything. Since somebody has leaked to the press uh, a letter that was sent from one side to the other in the Bob Huggins and WVU saga, what do you take of this extended silence if eight days is considered extended? And, and what do you think the next steps are? Didn't think it was going to happen, man. Like Monday night, I was talking to people and I said, Hey, I'm going to go to, you know, Dallas tomorrow morning for media days. How much is this going to suck? Am I going to have to write another story about response? And they said, yeah, like what we hear is that, you know, there's probably going to be some sort of response to the response. You know, West Virginia probably should be ready for something like that. And I was like, oh, great. But nothing happened. Um, now, I don't know what happened. Maybe like West Virginia got a response, but like it doesn't do anybody good right now. They like, keep volleying back and forth. Like there's no thing like, hey, you have two days to respond to this or otherwise we sue you or whatever. But, you know, part of me hopes and wonders if like Huggins finally had some people get to him and say, what are you doing? Because that had not happened before. Like people have not been able to penetrate his guard and get into his ear here and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Maybe that's happened now. And maybe he's just kind of realized that this isn't worth it. Um, again, there, there is like this one inflection point for me. He either knew this wasn't going to work and didn't care and was willing to swing the wrecking ball, or he didn't know this was going to work. And he was like, allowing or nobody on his side was going to say, Bob, this won't work. So he either had the wrong people around him or he had the wrong person doing this. And like, maybe that has been resolved a little bit. I have not heard much. I still don't know how this doesn't end was another shot across the bow or some other salvo there, but it just seems like it's not going to end quietly. Um, but 
less is more, I would think, right? Like you'd be happy if it was quiet for the time being. You just kind of let this go. But I just wonder if he doesn't perk up, if it doesn't perk up sometime soon. I just don't think that West Virginia is going to initiate it. Moving on to, you know, like the rest of the team is trying to, or what's left of the team. Um, Josh Eiler and his staff trying to put together um, the rest of the roster after it was gutted um, when the transfer portal reopened for WVU players after Huggins resigned slash retired. Um, what's the latest you're hearing here? Because this is a we we knew this was going to be tough when it happened because how it how the portal worked was it's closed for everyone, but there was a coaching change, so it opens only for players to leave WVU. And then West Virginia doesn't get to choose, you know, anybody new. It's just what was already in the portal that they had already looked over and said, no, thanks. So not a lot of choices out there, but what's the latest you're hearing on this? Still fishing. You covered some of the prospects are looking at. They've kind of done some international surveys now. Um, That's not transfer portal, but that's an indication that maybe the portal isn't going to be the end-all, be-all for their solutions. But also, don't forget, like, they're going to have to get players who have a future with the program, too. And if that means, like, as an international kid who's, like, 18 or 19 and, like, can redshirt or play just a little, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Now, will they use that option right now? That's going to be there later. All right, my final question for you, and this is – I think this news kind of got overlooked. Um, It was something that – you had first reported on the on the board, but well, I'm not even sure how to phrase it because they did give it a new title. But Ben Murray back at WVU, um, by well, let me I, I want to preface it because and this is why I want to ask you about it because I got the feeling again message board feeling so take that for what it's worth from some uh some fans that uh here we go just went back to an old. WVU Mac guy. And, and if, if the Mac is having problems, why are we going back to another Mac guy? But some of the big donors have said this was a great hire. So first off, how do we balance those both of those reactions? And second, do we take anything from his new role here? Like, because it, it is a different title. And I, if I remember correctly, the press release did not specifically say head of the Mac. Yeah. You just said oversight of the Mac. Yeah. Uh, ben Murray was not coming back to WVU to be the head of the Mac. He's the, the, the way you get him out of Nebraska, which pretty good spot, even as screwed up as that situation has been for quite some time right now. The fan support there is is pretty good. And if they get a winner, watch out. The money will start flowing in. Um, they think they maybe have that. They thought they had it before with Scott Frost, which, again, is one of the stranger misses in recent history. But you're not getting him to come back for the job that he left. You're not. You can throw a lot of money at him, which I understand they did. Like, this is going to be a pretty lucrative position. I don't think we'll ever get the actual details on. Although, if he's in the athletic department, that's going to be foyable, huh? We'll get an answer on that. But again, providing oversight to the Mountaineer Athletic Club, that leads me to think two things. One, it's not the same job. He will not be involved in a lot of the current work that can turn over that position and be frustrating. He might be able to pick who does. Um. If you get a guy who knows how to run things and doesn't actually have to run it and he can do a lot of like adversarial supervising stuff, that's cool, especially if he can delegate the key position to someone else. So I wonder if there's a second 
move here, someone else who comes in. And then there's some names in that one that might be really interesting, but I don't think he's coming back for the same job. He probably articulated that, which is means they, okay, how can we make this work? If you're not going to come back for the same job, how can we get you? Cause we need you. And they figure out that this is how you do it. He's the chief development officer. You can develop a lot of ways in athletic department. That's kind of a blank canvas for you, especially for West Virginia. I would imagine they made this very appealing to him and kind of gave him like a carte blanche to do what he wants to do, which again, that may involve some personnel underneath him as well. Also, like super popular with the donors, which you really need. Like you really need that right now because the Huggins thing is big. You're going to probably have to either convince people to get on board with football or a replacement for football. Um, you you stand to lose some equity from your donors if you don't have anybody who knows them, which had been a shortcoming for a while. And the fact that a lot of people perked up and said, hey, man, Ben's back. I like Ben. Ben's cool. That that can't hurt. And then, you know, he's 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 more than just like a familiar face. He's been affected before, too. I don't I don't think it's a bad decision at all. Sounds good. I mean, I don't want to downplay some of the people because, the, the, again, you say, hey, the issues there, there are issues with the Mac. Why are you hiring a guy back from the Mac? But I think part of the thing here is the issues with the Mac over the last few years. He wasn't there. You know, he left several years ago. Um, so maybe he's, again, the oversight of the Mac. He's going to be doing different things, like you said. And and he has had success um, with major donors. Uh, what do they call it? Large gift donors, major gift donors, uh, whatever the threshold is for that. I know somebody was explaining it on our message board, and it's a sliding scale about money and time and everything like that. But those are the people that are really going to help shape your athletic department, shape your fundraising. And he has been one of the best for a very, very, very long time and found a lot of success at Nebraska. So anybody that has that combination of success and the tie-ins and the connections that he had already built here in West Virginia, I think is going to be a good hire for what you're trying to do and how you're trying to shape and change things there. Yeah, I mean, he he left in 2021. Like, they haven't been gone that long. So just think for a second. If you leave, are you part of the problem? Or are you frustrated by the problems? Maybe it's a little bit of each, but if you can't fix the problems, again, are you part of it or are you frustrated by it? Let's just assume that he left the job because he didn't like it. It wasn't going to work. It was going to reflect on him. Hey, I'll go to Nebraska. Well, now you come back in and say, hey, here's the keys. Do whatever you want. Make it look like you want to make it. And this has to go back to a change in athletic director and maybe being less gray or whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying there's a gray area in fundraising, but like if what exists for the change at NIL, if that potential for positive change exists for the Mac, if you get the right people involved, like here's a guy who knows what it looks like from the inside and he didn't like the look of it. And now he does. Well, why would that be? That means they asked him what it would take to work. And he found a way to convince himself to do this. Well, Mike, I think that, um, covered all the things i wanted to ask you about and we're running out of time already um that was a there's a lot of little little stories again that would normally not be little stories um and we had to cover there is there anything else you wanted to talk about real quick yeah baseball uh as you learn more i think that i think that they were kind of spooked that they might lose steve sabins before too long that you know as we talked about like randy macy's contract was through 2025 could you expect him to last two more off seasons I don't know. And that this just kind of made sense to do at the time. And then like, here's a guy that they really do like in Sabins. Um, again, not an original guy in Randy Maisie's staff, but someone he brought in from the cold. Like if you're not familiar with Steve Sabins background, look it up. Um, no affiliations to the program or anything like that or anybody on it. And then for him to be in this favored nation status right now, or like 
he's the guy that they were trying to, you know, facilitate and hand it off in the future. Um, I, I really wonder how close it was. And I, I think it's probably a, a good thing for everybody involved to maybe do this now rather than not only lose Maisie in the future, but also lose the apparent heir to the throne and then have to, you know, completely restructure everything. And with the portal and just how baseball turnover is in general, that that could really set things back. So um, I don't know, a mature, smart, proactive decision by everybody involved here. I think we thought that initially, but the more you talk and hear about it now, this listen to like interviews from Randy Maisie and our podcast and the man from the past couple of days, like it does seem like they were they were a little worried that this this plan they had in mind for two years from now, it might not be on the table. So why not announce this, formalize it right now and make it happen? It still seems like a good idea, right? I, it was so organized and well thought out that I'm surprised that WVU Athletics pulled it off. Is that a great way to end oh. the pod? Oh. oh, hopefully they've tuned off by now. So, <laughs> probably, probably a good way to end it. I'm not sure it's a good way to end it, but maybe it's a good time to end it. How's that? That sounds right. All right. Until then, um, plenty more happened. Like I said, football starts right around the corner. Got a camp later on this week. Plenty to cover um, in person, behind the scenes, online, and of course on this podcast. Until then. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.